This is Roy Hales with Cortez Currents, which you can also access at cortezcurrents.ca. As the second year comes to an end, project manager Miranda Cross described the growth of a sediment island within the new Dillon Creek wetland on Cortez Island and gave us a project overview. The Dillon Creek Wetlands Restoration Project arose in response to algae blooms in Hague and Gunflint Lakes, especially in 2014. Nutrients are entering the lakes from septic tanks, gardens, ditches, roads, creeks, and livestock around the shore. After several years of monitoring the situation, a Friends of Cortez Island feasibility study suggested they restore the wetlands on Linnea Farm to help limit the flow of nutrients from where Dillon Creek enters the lakes. Miranda Cross explained. It's a three-year project. So in the first year, we were doing planning and permitting, get everything in place. In year two, which is just coming to an end at the end of March, we had construction and revegetation. And in year three, we'll be continuing monitoring. There's been some talk of working in the Upper Dillon Creek area next season. Can you give us any details? As far as talking about Upper Dillon Creek, we're not quite sure what that project is going to look like. Cross also pointed out that the wetlands project near the mouth of Dillon Creek is taking place on a farm. Because Linnea is a working farm, we're not just going to convert all the fields back to wetlands. I recognize as a human being that I need food to eat. I really appreciate having local food. I used to garden more than I do these days because I've been so busy restoring wetlands, but I like to support my local farmers and I think that local food is very important in terms of sustainable communities. So what we're really looking at is how can we maintain the productivity of the farm as well as restore habitat that will rehydrate the landscape and the forests as well as prevent future sediments and nutrients traveling towards the lake as well as in this time storing carbon in the landscape. There's many landscapes that are storing carbon currently, but are under threat because of these incised stream channels, which are lowering the elevation of the water in the forests, therefore making them more vulnerable to climate change as we're experiencing droughts, heat domes, wildfires. We started monitoring before construction to get a baseline on vegetation and wildlife and invasive species. And now we're monitoring hydrology how are the wetlands functioning hydrologically? Are we seeing erosion at the inlets or outlets? And we're looking for wildlife, we're managing invasive species, and we're also measuring the success of revegetation. So our target is 80% survival of plants that we've planted or natural revegetation. One thing we noticed is a little bit of erosion at the inlet and at the outlet. So just last week, we got a load of rock delivered And we had about five of us out there placing rock by hand in key locations to prevent any further erosion and repair what we were seeing. So we're keeping a very close eye on that. A little bit of erosion is to be expected when water's flowing over soil. And once the vegetation becomes established in those locations, that will really help keep the soil intact. When we built the wetlands, we built two wetlands on either side of the laneway. And I'm going to talk about what we're calling wetland A or the fish pond because that wetland is actually connected hydrologically to Dillon Creek. So when we built it we set the elevation of the inlet meaning the height of the inlet to the wetland from Dillon Creek 30 centimeters above the base elevation of the stream bed at the inlet. So 
what that means is that the wetlands only receive water under flood conditions. They're treatment wetlands, so they don't need to be receiving a base flow all the time. And when we built that inlet, we built it 20 meters long at a 2% grade. And it was flat like a runway because as the water comes in, we want the water to spread out in sheet flow and slow down and not trigger erosion in the inlet waters. What we're seeing today is this growing sediment island that's being deposited at the inlet. It's not right at the inlet, it's like a little bit further down. So when you have fast channelized water at high velocity with, with heavy shear stresses on the sides of the stream, that erodes the banks of the stream or the ditch. And that turbulent water carries the sediments and carries the nutrients with it. When it hits still water, like the lake or a wetland, then all that sediment drops out because it's not moving anymore. If you've ever done one of those garden soil texture tests, you put some soil in a jar and you shake it up with some water and then you set it down on the counter. The first thing to settle out is the sands or the gravels because they're the heaviest particles. So they drop out readily. And then next you'll get your silt layer. And then finally you get your clay because they're the finest particles. So they stay suspended in the water the longest. And generally the silts are what are carrying most of the nutrients. That's why these valley bottoms that have these silty loamy soils are so high in nutrients and so desirable for agriculture. So what we're seeing happening at the fish pond at, at Dillon Creek, the restored wetland there, is that we're getting this growing sediment island being deposited where the fast moving waters from Dillon Creek hit the still moving waters of the wetland. And I measured that in January. It's a little bit hard to quantify because the island extends into the water. So I can't measure the whole thing, but I measured what I could on top of the water. I estimate, and I believe this is an underestimate, that it's 60 cubic meters. To visualize that, that is about eight tandem-sized dump truck loads of material that's been deposited from Dillon Creek in the wetland. So that shows us a couple of things. One, it shows us that the wetland is functioning as intended to, to filter and mitigate nutrients from going into the lake. So that is a huge success for the project. And the other thing it shows us is that there is a pretty serious issue happening in the watershed of erosion and transport of sediments. I just really wanna stress that this is not a situation or an issue that is unique to Linnea. If you take a canoe and you circle around the edges of the lakeshore and you look at all of the places that water comes into the lake, in pretty much every single inlet, you see these growing deltas of sediment being deposited. And that's because pretty much every inlet has been modified by humans, whether it's roads or farms or homes. The exception to that would be little forest streams that are coming in from Quas Park in an area that hasn't been ditched and drained. What does all of the uh, sediment that you're seeing accumulate speak about the uh, problem that we had with nutrients in the lake? Does it say it's worse well, than we thought? I don't know what it says about the severity of the nutrient issue, but I think the take home message is that soil particles carry nutrients, particularly silts. And when they're deposited into the lake, then 
through biological and chemical processes, the nutrients get released and that's what feed the algae. There are many sources of nutrients, septic systems, runoff from farms and gardens, definitely. But soil, I think, is one of the nutrient sources that is often overlooked. And it's a very large source of nutrients. Phosphorus particularly binds to the soil particles. The impacts of not trying to repair or filter the inlets to the lakes means that there's this ongoing nutrient deposition in the lakes. Many of the drainages that have happened and and alterations to the landscape and to the wetlands happened many years ago, 50, 70, 100 years ago. This has been accumulating over time. And with climate change, as we're getting warming and different conditions in the springs, that could be a trigger. Or it could just be that we've hit the turning point or the breaking point where there's just so much nutrient that's accumulated over time. Like the soils, they settle out and they settle to the bottom. So it is like a flushing of nutrients annually that is contributing to the algal blooms. You've been listening to Miranda Cross describe the growing sediment island within the new Dillon Creek wetlands and give us an overview of the project. In the conclusion of this series, which airs tomorrow, Cross talks about the revegetation of the wetland and what this means for some of Cortez Island's tree species. This is Roy Hales with Cortez Currents. Goodbye.